Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Hallelujah. All right, praise God. Let's uh, get into the Word. I'm sure that... Um, You're going to get blessed this morning. Praise God. Alright, let's pray and let's get into the word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and to get our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth through your word in Jesus' mighty name. Alright, so we started this series um, titled For This Course. For This Course. And we are trying to establish, or we're trying to answer the question, why did Jesus come, and why are we born again? And it's important that we answer that question, because salvation is the fundamental of the Christian faith. Praise God. And uh, I did say last Sunday, <coughs> that when many people accepted the Lord Jesus, they accepted Him on the premise of not hearing the true gospel. And, 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 and that's a very, very important fact. That's a very important fact. So, for instance, you went for a meeting and someone talked about how Jesus heals, how Jesus uh, delivers, or how Jesus can get things to you, get you a nice car, a nice wife, make the barren fruitful. And then, at the end of the day, the pastor now said, well, for all these things to happen in your life, you have to be a child of God. And I want you, if you want to be a child of God, to raise your hand. Now, you did that and you accepted the Lord. Now, the truth of the matter is, you, you saw God from the fact that He was a problem solver. And that doesn't take, take, I mean, it doesn't mean that God is not a problem solver. But actually, salvation is based on the fact, like we sang uh, about the name of Jesus, understanding the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Praise God. You know, some people even say, well, I believe in God. And, 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 and they think believing in God is enough to give them salvation. Actually, scripturally, it's a no. And I'll show you from the Bible. Cornelius believed in God. The Bible says he was a devout man that feared God. And he gave arms and prayed regularly. And God knew that this man just believing in me is not enough to get him saved. What did the Lord tell him? God had to speak to Cornelius and say, go and tell Peter. And Peter will tell you words with which you will be saved. So Peter had to preach to Cornelius and Cornelius had to hear that message. Romans chapter 10, faith cometh by hearing, verse 17, and hearing by the word of God. What is the word of God? The message of faith which we preach. What is the message of faith? The message of salvation. So, so Cornelius had to hear that message. And the scripture says, while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard and the house of Cornelius was saved. And it's important that we understand that salvation is only based on what? Come on now. Salvation is only based what? On the hearing of the message of redemption. And the church needs to be big on it. Glory to God. The church needs to be big on it because if we are not big on it, we will not see the reason why people should be born again. That's why we can, you know, I've heard believers even boast. They say, you know, uh, 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 I go to church, I belong to a church, you know, but my closest friend is not born again, but he's a good person. 
And we don't care. We don't care if the person is not born again. Because to us, salvation is... Yeah, one of those things we do to belong to a church. So if we, even if our friends are not born again, it's not a big deal. Then why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? If we understand the message of salvation, it will propel us to speak to the lost. Evangelism will not be a department in church. You know, you, know, you hear some people say, my own is to decorate. I'm not really an evangelist, evangelistic kind of person. No. The day you were born again, the ministry of reconciliation was committed to your hands. If you are not winning souls, you are not actively participating in the kingdom. You are not growing the kingdom. In fact, you are using resources of the kingdom without contributing to the kingdom. And I'll talk about that as we progress in in this series. Every child of God was saved so he can save others. You see, but if we don't value our salvation, we don't see the reason why people should be saved. And the unfortunate thing is that we even envy unbelievers who are not born again. We don't see them as spiritually dead. So we try to make God to give us the same thing that those unbelievers have because they are now our standard of success. Hallelujah. Are you going home? I said hallelujah. You know, I, I read on social media all the time, and you need to be careful of the things you read on social media. And I see certain people make certain comparisons. Why will Bishop Oedebo not have a jet if David Doe has a jet? Are you, are, what is wrong with you? What is wrong? What kind of comparison is that? How do you compare light and darkness? You know, in their mind, they are, they are trying to establish a case, but it's a case of foolishness. There are things you should never defend. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I said there are things you should never defend. And let me, let me say this to you. If you're a member of this local church, don't go on Facebook trying to defend anything or anybody. If you go there and you want to write something about Christianity, just put the gospel out there. The word of God is enough to do all things. Because you will move from scriptural reason to carnal reason. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And let me tell you this. This is not prophecy, but let me tell you this. Every month, there will be something about the church and about the pastor that will trend on social media. And so if you make that your life goal, you will be distracted. Because that's the purpose of the enemy. You know, most times we don't recognize how the enemy works. And so our life, the scripture talks about if people ask us a reason for our faith, we should be able to give them conviction and defend the gospel when they ask us the reason for our faith. And we must know that the, the, the purpose of God putting us on earth here is the expansion of His kingdom. And that should be our primary focus. That should be what runs our hearts. We should be so focused on that mission that we don't have time for anything else. Are you hearing what I'm telling you now? Now, we talked about, uh, there was a quote by C.S. Lewis, don't forget that quote. It says, the Son of Man became the Son of God so that what will happen? So that the sons of God will become, the sons of men will become what? The sons of God. That's the story of redemption in summary. 
that Jesus came so we could walk in that representation of God. And I said this last Sunday, and I'll say it again because someone asked me a question about that. Uh, when I said that uh, a man was created a little lower than God. And the person says, oh, you know, talking about angels. Because there are believers right now who are so big on angels. And I just told the person once, one scripture. The scripture says you shall judge angels. How do you judge someone who is higher than you? So if you read the Bible, you discover that believers... If you read the Bible, you, ob- you observe that in the Old Testament, there were more activities of angels than in the New Testament. In fact, in the New Testament, the activities of angels were more in the book of Acts. But if you start progressing to Pauline epistles, it, the concentration of Pauline epistles was the fact that God lives in you and you're the side of God. Are you following this now? So, the day that Adam partook of that fruit, and, and, and we, we understand how that works, because First uh, Timothy chapter 2 verse 13 tells us that it was not Adam that was deceived, it was Eve that was deceived, First Timothy 2 13. And then Second Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3, Paul clearly tells us how Eve was deceived. So we can go to Second Timothy chapter, no, Second um, Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. For this cause, why did Jesus come and why are we born again? Second Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve. So look at the word deceived there. The King James uses the word beguile. Deceived Eve by his craftiness. Your minds, your minds. So it tells us the, plan, the point at which that deception came. Your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of the devotion to Christ. Observe those two words. Simplicity and purity of your devotion to Christ. So we understand that the deception of, 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 of Satan to Eve was to remove them from the simplicity of their devotion to God in the garden. Devotion to God. That was typically the fall. That was typically the fall. And so, when Jesus came, Jesus came so we can bear that same representation which we had in the beginning, which was God's mind. And I said this in the first service, and I repeat it very bold and clear. Man's original destination was not heaven. Let me say it again. Man's original destination was not heaven. Because that's one mistake we made in preaching the message of salvation. We preach the message of salvation as a ticket to escape hell and go to heaven. And so people don't mind living like people who are going to hell as far as they are saved and they know that they will go to heaven. And so the whole goal of Christianity, we made it like all this thing we're doing right here is so we can just make heaven on the last day when the last trumpet sounds. No, that was man's destination. Man was, and I'm going to show you now, man was created to dominate and to govern the earth. Let me just give you something if you are interested in knowing more and studying more. Let me give you a key. You can go and study more. Every time the scripture uses the word trumpet, it refers to a message. So the last trump is the last message. All right. And that's why when you're watching Christian film, you need to be very careful. Because sometimes people act their minds. They don't act what is in the scripture. They act what they have heard over time. And so because we don't have that dominion mindset, 
Even when we teach dominion in the church, we teach it more like taking over companies. You understand? Taking over business. We don't teach dominion like God has a kingdom agenda and wants to spread the kingdom on the earth. Let me show you something. Go to Genesis chapter 5. Now, there are three kinds of death. When Adam died, the first death is physical death. The second death is what? Spiritual death. And then what's the third death mentioned in the Bible? Eternal death. But we are focusing today on our spiritual death. So in Genesis chapter 5, go, to, go with me to Genesis chapter 5 and verse 5. We realize that when Adam partook of that fruit, he did not die that day. So that means that physical death did not happen that day. So when the Bible says the day you eat of this fruit you shall surely die, it means that God was not referring to physical death. Are you following this now? He was referring to what? Spiritual what? Death. Now, that spiritual death is actually what is of a concern to God. That's what God wants to deal with. Because when you also got born again, you got born again in your spirit. Your body remains the same. If you accepted the Lord and you had 30 kg, you will still be 30 kg after you leave. But your spirit is now renewed. Your spirit is born again. But your body is still the same. So when Adam, when the, when the scripture says the day you eat of this food you shall surely die, Adam did not die physically that day. But he died spiritually because he was now separated from God. So separation from God is called death. In the Bible. Are you hearing this now? So that's what God wants us to do. God wants us to reconcile men back to Him. God wants us to pick men from that, that state of being dead. You see, if the Lord opens our eyes to understand the impact of this spiritual death on the life of people, our heart will yearn for men to come to Christ. Our heart will burn. When we see people, the first thing we will, <laughs> the first thing that will come to our mind is this man in relationship with God. That's, you see, as a child of God, when you meet anybody for the first time, that's what should come to your mind. Is this one born again? Do they understand this message? Do they understand God's agenda? Because as we are here on this earth, right? And I'm, I, I'm really trusting the Lord to give me the grace to teach on that. As we are here on this earth, we, all, we mistakenly think that God's agenda is just about rapturing the church. And so, it puts us in a place where it's like, you know, God has this thing He wants to do. We are not sure when. We are not, we're just going about the earth, just sorting ourselves. No. God's primary agenda is that His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what is His will? That on the earth, there will be men that represent Him 100%. We, that's the agenda we should be preoccupied with. Because that's God's agenda. Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day when God created man, He made him in the likeness of God. Now the Bible says that when God created man, man was made in the likeness of God. Uh, let me see if I can find something here very quickly. Uh, okay, let's read on. And He created them male and female. Now, of course, when He used the word man, He was referring to... Uh, 
the, the, the human race, okay? He blessed them and named them. Men in that day when they were created. Verse 3. When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son. Look at this next verse. He became the father of a son in his own likeness according to his image and named him Seth. Now, you realize this, that this is what happened. Adam was created in the image of God. And Adam sinned and fell out of that image and likeness. And what happened? He now gave birth to his son. That son was now in his image and likeness. Now, simple question. If Adam did not submit to that deception and he did not fall, what would have happened to the son that Adam gave birth to? He would have been in the same image and likeness in that same perfect state that he was in the beginning representing God. Do you follow that now? So what was God's original agenda? God's original agenda is to create Adam and Eve in his image and likeness and for Adam and Eve to represent what? Come on now. Image and likeness and represent image and likeness and what's going to happen to the whole earth? The whole earth will be filled with God's image and likeness. That's the kingdom agenda. So why do we get people born again? We're not getting people born again necessarily so our church will be full. We're not getting people born again necessarily. You see, God is not, permit me to say this, God is not in a competition of numbers between himself and Satan. You hear people say, let's get people born again so that a lot of people will be in heaven, so that less people will be... No, it's not a number game. It's not to see how many we can get to God. It's, a, it's, a, it's the fact that God wants this whole earth populated with his sons and so that his kingdom can govern the earth. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, are you here? That's the agenda. You know, I shared a dream with the pastors uh, I thought yesterday and I'll share it with you now. You know, I was, the Lord is beginning to put very strongly in my heart since I married today about teaching on the kingdom and teaching people on the kingdom because you realize that most times people don't even understand the kingdom. And you, you find out, and I'm doing that in November. In November, we're going to do, if I were going to teach on the kingdom from November to December, till we end the year, we're just teaching on the kingdom. So you're ready for like 10 or 12 parts or 13 parts or 14 parts, just the kingdom. You realize that when John the Baptist came, he preached on the kingdom. <laughs> what did Jesus tell the apostles to preach on? On the kingdom. When Jesus died and resurrected 40 days, he taught them things pertaining to the kingdom. When Paul came, he was preaching the kingdom of God. But that's, 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 we don't hear so much of God's kingdom being taught. In fact, what we call the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in heart and all of that, those are cultures of the kingdom. That when you see a believer, you should see that culture reflected. And I think that maybe because even as ministers, we've not done so much justice to that, we feel that it, as a child of God, when you get in a place, the dominant thought in your heart is how do the kingdom of God invade this place by my character, by the culture, because I'm trusted as an ambassador of the kingdom. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because I ask you a simple question. I ask you on Sunday, if you go to heaven now, what would be your use? You know, we have our mind, oh, go, we just be worshiping God. Holy, holy. Do you think that God is, you know, if God wanted people to just be shouting holy, holy to Him, He can create one million angels to just be shouting holy. You think God has a low, low self esteem problem that He needs us to heal Him? You have a bigger agenda. If not, the day you got born again, God would have taken you up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come and I said, are you hearing what I'm saying? 
So if you see that, it will shape the way you live. It will shape the way you dress. It will shape the way you talk. It will shape everything that is around your life because you're now beginning to see yourself that I am the image and likeness of God and I have a responsibility to represent my Father on the earth. You begin to see the earth as your Father's space. You don't have the space for the Antichrist that you need to live. live. Glory to God. Now, let's look at this now. So, he became, uh, verse what? Verse 4. Then the days of Adam, after he became the father of Seth, were 800 years. Praise God. <laughs> and he had other sons and daughters. So, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. So, we saw that for Adam to die physically, it took about 930 years. So, obviously, this does not mean the death that was referred to in Genesis. This caused that death. Because Adam was designed to live immortal. In fact, science kind of proves that every seven years, our bodies try to renew themselves. And we don't even want to talk about immortality yet because we've raised a church that celebrates death and teaches things like, um, like, like, you know, that teaches things like precious is the death of the saints. That's a wrong, wrong understanding of that scripture. Go and read it for many other translations. It says costly. When you like, it's like, it's, when it says costly, it's like something that is painful. It's not like it's something that God values. Use other translations. Don't even believe what I'm saying. Just go and carry out that Bible and read it. Because we've had people on funeral and say, costly, they're like, it's, no, it's something that's painful. It's, it's like when you lose a costly person. Why? Because the Lord is not interested in the saints dying. He wants us to live. He came to bring life. And more abundantly, death was a product of the fall of man. And that's why the scripture says the last enemy to be conquered is death. And when he talks about the last enemy to be conquered is death, he was not just referring to the rapture. <coughs> the scriptures is actually talking about a people that will walk on the earth literally with God so close that death will not be able to feast on them. Glory to God. We have an example. Enoch. We have an example. Elijah. They all left this earth without passing through the door of death. And now, we have this whole thing. I mean, I'm just throwing a lot of scriptures there. I'm going to spend them. So, it's appointed unto man wants to die, and after that judgment, check the punctuation and read that in context. You realize that that scripture is actually telling us that Jesus took our appointment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let's focus on this now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, Spiritual death is referred to as separation. Let's look at, let's use another scripture to confirm that. Go with me to Luke chapter 15. I wanted to say, go with me to the prodigal son. <laughs> Just remember there is no Bible verse called the prodigal son. Come on, are you here? Are you, are you enjoying something? Are you learning something? Alright. You want me to teach you seven steps to break through? Number one step, read your Bible. Number one step, do everything the Bible says. Number three step, repeat number one. Number four, repeat number two. Number five, repeat number one. Okay. Uh, what did I say you should turn to now? Luke chapter 15, alright. Verse 24. Okay. Luke 15, 24. Now, remember the story of the prodigal son, right? Luke 15, 24. You all know the story of the prodigal son. Now, it says, uh, verse 24. Now, for this son of mine was dead 
and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found and they began to celebrate. Now, the question is this. At what time did this child die? When he left his father's house. So, it tells us that every time there is a separation between the father and man, that person is referred to as dead. Do you, do, you, do you see this now? Because that's the language of the Bible. It says, this my son was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. So, any man, listen carefully to this, any man that is not in Christ is both dead and lost. It doesn't matter how much he has. It doesn't matter how much houses. Because, listen very carefully, you don't miss this. Even though Adam had missed out of the presence of God, do you realize that even though Cain was cursed, Cain still went ahead and built a city? These people still had cattles. You know, <laughs> I was even telling someone this the other day. I was, you realize that God even speaks to people who are not born again. The, the fact that God is a creator. He's our creator. He can speak to you whether you're born again or not. And you will hear him. Abimelech was not born again. He heard him. Even Saul was not born again. But he heard him clearly. Saul saw. Paul said, Lord, who are thou? So I'm here that you persecuted. And gave him direct instructions. And that's why it's a thing of shame. For now people who are born again to say they can't hear God. Except the prophet speaks over their life. That's the problem. And it's a problem caused by the church. Because even people who don't know God hear him. Some of you did not know God when God spoke to you and you got born again. Glory to God. You know, Abimelech warned, God warned Abimelech not to touch Sarah. Say for that, he's a prophet. The first word used as a prophet for Abraham, Abraham never saw any vision for anybody, never saw who was pursuing anybody. But because he knew the plans and purpose of God that 400 years after he was dead, God was going to rescue the children of Israel from Egypt. He knew the plans and the purpose of God. God called him a prophet. So who is a prophet? A prophet is a man that knows exactly the plan and the purposes of God for his city, for his local church, for his family, and for the things he wants to do. A prophet is not just a man who calls people's phone numbers. Come on, are you here? You realize that because Abraham knew what God was going to do, he did not argue with Lot over properties. When Lot, when he said we should not quarrel, he, he, he represented the dimension of the kingdom, which is peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. He says, choose. Choose. Wherever you want. If you go to the right, I'll go here. If you go there, that's a kingdom character. He brought the kingdom in the midst of strife. But yeah, we hear people say, Christianity is not stupidity. To know God is not foolishness. I know my rights, you know my rights. We have, spirit, we have activists everywhere. I loot up people everywhere. They haven't represented the peace of God. You fight my rights, I know my rights. I know who I am. You ever say, put Christianity aside. Like, I, will, I will deal with you. You see, listen to this. Listen to this. This thing about the kingdom, it will take our whole lifetime to work it out. Nothing will reveal your immaturity like when certain circumstances. Some of you think you are very peaceful. Until someone lower than you hurls insults at you, you will realize that pride was still somewhere locked in your heart. Are you hearing what, hear what I'm saying? So this thing is a walk. This is a work. Now look at this now. Let's go to... So we established this very carefully... That this man who doesn't know God 
and separated from God is called spiritually dead. And that is one of the reasons Jesus came, so that he can make more people alive. And that is the purpose why we are here. I want you to see a greater purpose why you're on this earth. You know, permit me to say this. Most of, most of us, when we got born again, this zeal and this passion was in our heart. And we went out. We reached out to people. We wanted our friends to know about Jesus. Until we started hearing many messages of getting to the next level. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Get to the next level. Take over. The Lord will prosper you. You know, what now happened is, listen carefully to this, the messages became so self-centered, self-centered in the fact that we are only taught about what God wants to do for us, and we're concerned about ourselves. You know what began to happen? Over the years, we have ripped a generation that's so just concerned about self-prosperity, they don't care if the next person is going to hell. They really absolutely do not care. In fact, when you listen to some motivational speakers, they'll tell you that, listen, when you meet an unbeliever, don't say the Bible, just say the holy book said. He said, because if you go with them like that, you might lose the contract. And the believer say, yes, I'm, get, I'm getting something from what you're saying. I'm really getting something. What are you getting? You're getting foolishness. Because what now happens is this, right? What now happens is this. You rather sacrifice your faith for finances. I'm not saying... Go everywhere with a Bible and a cross on your neck and all of that. But as you deal with people, your predominant desire in your heart is I want this one to be a child of God. It should be your engagement. You see how easy we share certain jokes and stuff? You see how easy certain things go very viral? Maybe some jokes, some comedies and stuff. Bam, 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 bam. Because the enemy actually recruits us to do some of his jobs. And you ask yourself, how many messages you forward like that? You don't even want some of your friends to know that you're a believer. Because immediately they know, then what you call enjoyment for certain things, they'll cut you off. Remember the message I preached a long time ago, do not be ashamed of your consecration. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood before the whole country and said, we're not going to bow. It's easy when we read that story. You know, let me just say that. You know, read that story. Huh? Come on, if you know that they're going to throw you into the lion's den, will you pray again? Let's be honest. Come on, talk to me, church. Let's be honest. Huh? They just tell you, I mean, this one is just locked down. I, I think sometimes when we read this story, many of us don't understand the powers that government have. But with this lockdown, I think most of us have understood what... So, Mr. Lions, there now, let's use lockdown. You know, when the government say, lockdown, church don't meet, this one don't come outside, everybody stay in your house. Imagine the, a decree was passed like that, that if you come out of your house and go to church, you'll be thrown into the lion's den. You just say, Pastor, where's the Zoom ID? <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? But these men did not compromise their faith. Of course, I'm using that as an example. I'm not saying go and do something against the government. But are you understand what I'm saying? I'm telling you about how a powerful government releases a decree and tells them the punishment that if you come out, if you pray, we will put you in the lion's den or we'll put you in this fire. And they say, listen, we don't even care. Those are people that have been seized by the values of the kingdom. You know, even me as a minister, as I go through these messages, I'm checking my heart. How much... 
Am I really emphasizing and teaching and living and breathing the kingdom? How much more can we do for the kingdom? You know, by the time you understand this truth, it will go just beyond 10%. It will go just beyond giving my money or sponsoring the gospel. No, your very life, God wants it to represent His kingdom. Glory to God. Are you still here? Now, let's read something now. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Oh, my. Ephesians chapter 1. Look at the prayer of Paul all the time. Verse 16. Prayer of Paul all the time. I do not cease to give thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, thank you, Lord, the Father of glory may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Why was he praying his prayer? Why was he praying his prayer? If you read John chapter 3, you know, uh, if you read John chapter 3, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to him by night. And Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. And you realize what happened. Jesus asked Nicodemus. He says, you are a teacher of the Jews and a ruler of the synagogue. And you do not understand these things. That means that although... Let's go there. We'll come back here. John chapter 3. Let me show you. We'll come back to Ephesians. John chapter 3. Let's see Nicodemus. You know, most of us read John 3.16. But let's see the conversation that got to John 3.16. John chapter 3 verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher. Mm. For no one can do these signs. You do unless God is with him. Look at verse 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, what is the word see the kingdom of God there? It means to experience or to understand the kingdom of God. You know, for instance, if I'm telling you something right now, you know, some of you, if I'm describing somewhere to you, and say, you go here, you go there, turn right, turn left, you begin to say, ah, I see, I see. What do you mean by you see? Come on, talk to me. What do you mean by you see? You understand? So what is he saying? No man can understand the kingdom of God except he's born again. It doesn't mean that no man can physically see the kingdom of God except he's born again. Because in Luke chapter 17 verse 20 to 21, the Bible says no one will say, Lo, the kingdom is here. Or Lo, the kingdom is there. For the kingdom is within you. So the kingdom is not visible. You can only see the kingdom by understanding. That's why Paul now prayed that you will pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you will know so if you're not born again, you cannot understand the kingdom. It doesn't mean that you cannot see it physically. Because Jesus himself in Luke 17 said, the kingdom will not come with physical observation. So that's what I was telling John the Baptist, um, Nicodemus there. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Can he? Look at the question that the ruler of the Jews was asking. Jesus answered, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, somebody say, yeah, that's why you need to be baptized. No, water there is the Word. Born of the Word. What's the Word? The message. Romans chapter 10. Come on, are you here now? Come on, are you here? That's the water. The washing of water by the word. Except you're born of the word, hearing the gospel and the Holy Spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So you hear the word and you're filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just about dipping you in water. 
Come on now. So I said to you, unless one is born of water, the message, the word, and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So for you to see the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. For you to enter the kingdom, you've got to be born again. But you must be born of water, of the word, and the spirit. What's the word? The message. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but no one knows where it comes from and where it's going, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Verse 10, look at, Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and you do not understand these things? So the question you will ask is, what was he teaching? The man had no clue what salvation was about. That's why you can be bold in ignorance. Like Apollos. The Bible says Apollos went and was teaching. He was eloquent in scriptures, but he knew only the baptism of John. Priscilla and Aquila, just a couple in church, called him aside and put him straight. That's how a church should be. You should be so grounded that if I mistakenly invite a preacher here who teaches what is not accurate, when you take him out for lunch, you open the scriptures and align him. Yeah, you just say, uh, you know, with, with due respect, yeah, you just put the scripture down. <laughs> And just put him straight. Just a couple. They, they're not dickens, nothing. Just they say, come, would you like to eat as yeah, after after I've loaded them? How will I know it? <laughs> I went to the house and the Bible said they taught him more accurately the ways of God. Ah. That means the couple were studying. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not everybody that is standing in the pulpit and shouting, you know, because we take we take scripture scriptural understanding for eloquence. That's why you see, you know, I was showing my wife something on Facebook. Here the preacher said, you know, in October, if you didn't die, God will take you over. In November, he will take you over. In February, people will just do, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, I said, what has he said now? What has, what has that God will take you? You can just say God will take you over this year. It will cover the 12 months. And people are just jumping, you know, because when entertainment replaces education, we, our sanity goes into, yeah, we just freeze it. Because all our goal is to enter next year. You understand that? You, you see the goal. Enter next year. Enter next year. Have a goal for next year. It's my year of open door. Your year of open door. It will open. The door will open. The door will be closed for 10 years. will open. Every year, it's just you. You. All the doors that have been open. Wait. Enter one. Let us rest. It's just you. What will happen? How much we have? How much? Don't you get concerned that God has an agenda for this city that we are in? When you look at the teenagers, what comes into your heart for them? When you look at the men, I mean, I'm sorry to say this, but you know in this city that we're in right now, family structure is something we have to bring the kingdom of God to bear. Because we deal, I mean, we're dealing with all kinds when it comes to family. Most of us are raised and our fathers are not there. And you know we have to correct that. How do we do that? It's not by counseling. By bringing the kingdom to bear. How do we bring the kingdom to bear? First thing is for every family to represent the kingdom first. We have to live out the possibilities of good families first. And then we start imparting that knowledge. Do you think maybe that's why God brought you here? That when you see Bonnie Island, what comes to your mind? Father, open it. Lord, the gate is there. Enter. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? And maybe in the kingdom, God has a different agenda. Are you following what I'm saying? So, when a man becomes kingdom conscious, the first thing he prays is, what is your will in heaven concerning this place? Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, your daily bread is not daily change. Bread is revelation. Man shall not eat by man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of heaven. Jesus says, "If you eat this bread, he's talking about himself. I'm the bread of life which came from heaven." So when he says, "Give us this day our daily bread," it means give us this day our daily revelation or insight into the kingdom, so that we can know what is happening in heaven today, so we can bring. What's happening in heaven to the earth? Because that's how Jesus lived. I do nothing except what I see at my father do. So that means our daily bread is for us to have daily access into what God wants to accomplish so we can carry it out on the earth. Daily bread is not your daily transport. Because if you don't see the scriptures from the point of the kingdom, everything will be about you. But the scripture is not about you. Luke 24, 44. Everything about the the law, the prophet, and the Psalms was about Jesus. Come on, are you still here? Are you, are you learning something this morning? Alright. Are some of you pushing the time? Why is this thing running? Uh, where did I say you should turn to? Where am I? John chapter 4. John chapter 3. Okay. Uh, so Jesus answered, answered to him, Are you a teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, <laughs> I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify what we are seeing and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Verse 30, no one has ascended into heaven but he who descends from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses, Jesus goes back again to the Old Testament to establish the truths of redemption. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man be lifted up. So that whoever believes with in him have everlasting life. Now, uh, I don't have time to go there, but let me explain this scripture very well because sometimes we use it to pray in church. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. And, and <laughs> Gideon, okay, Gideon has been with me when I thought this. You know, so our concept is if we lift up Jesus, he will draw people to himself. No, if you look at the punctuation of that, and if you look at the punctuation, Listen carefully. If you look at the punctuation and you read other scriptures, you discover that's not what that scripture is talking about. When Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all to myself, that word men is not supposed to be there. What actually is supposed to be there is, I'll, uh, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all judgment to myself. How do I know that? Because the lifting up of Jesus, listen carefully, the lifting up of Jesus is equated to the lifting up of the serpent, the brazen serpent. So what happens is that when the brazen serpent was lifted up, Moses said anybody who looks at the brazen serpent, the poison of the snake. What is the snake? Genesis chapter 3. The serpent that deceived Eve, that feeds on the dust, is a type. Come on now. Is a type of Jesus. Right? Being lifted up. Am I talking Bible or Shakespeare? Do you follow the story? Okay, let me come back. Let's take it this way. <laughs> Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all to myself. Now, when we say draw all men, it doesn't automatically mean that when Jesus is lifted up, everybody will come to him. What Jesus is saying in that scripture is that if, I, if I'm lifted up, all the judgment that was supposed to come to men... 
I will take it upon myself on the cross. So a man who looks to me will no longer come under that judgment. How do I know that? Because Jesus himself alluded to that in John chapter 3. He says, as the serpent is lifted, the broken serpent was lifted up, so also the Son of Man will be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him has eternal life. Why did he call it eternal life? Because when we now go back to this story in the Old Testament and the serpent was lifted, the, the broken serpent was lifted up, what happened? Everyone that looked at that serpent, the poison of the serpent that bit them went away. They now had life as opposed to death. Do you understand that? So when we lift up Jesus, uh, it's not about when we lift him up. He's already been lifted up. On the cross, he drew the judgment of sin on himself. So any man who believes in him already has eternal life. You don't get eternal life when you get to heaven. You don't become a saint when you get to heaven or where you die. Because you already have eternal life. That's what Paul, Paul refers to you in the book of Ephesians as the saints of God. Come on, are you following this now? But you know, I can take that scripture and just preach. Look to Jesus. Any serpent of your father that is biting you. God, you, you understand? I can take that scripture and preach that now. You understand? Serpent of overcoming. Serpent of delay marriage. Serpent of <laughs> delay childbirth. Serpent of not having shoes when your mates are driving cars. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. If you want to look to Jesus today, raise your hand and then you come. Have you heard the gospel? Do you know why you are looking to Jesus? So you see why even when people are born again in church, they still struggle with sin. Because in the real sense, they have never heard and received the Lord. So when a believer comes to the Lord like that, sin is almost powerless to him. I don't know if you understand. Is it powerless now? Yeah, more powerful. So he's like, there's nothing I can, I'm trying. He said, don't call it sin. Just say it's your weakness. Say, yes, my weakness. This is my weakness. Jesus said you are complete in him. Let sin not have dominion over you. He said, let these things not be mentioned among you. The, the Lord never made us to be righteous so we can be powerless against. See, any sin you are involved in, the day you decide and feed on this message, you can walk away from it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No matter the addiction, if you genuinely receive the Lord, he will displace them. And then you start walking in the spirit. So you can't have an addiction and be feasting on, on movies all the time. Because how do you grow? How do you feed? How do you mature? Because they are kind of Christians. Who are kind of Christians? Kind of Christians are Christians who are born again but live like the world. Come on, are you still here? Okay. So it says, look at this now. Verse what? Now verse what are we? Verse what? Uh, 16. For God so loved the world, you know that now. Come on everybody. <laughs> that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not what? Shall not what? Can we say another word for perish is die or dead? Right? So do we find out here that the cure to Adam's death was believing in Jesus? So it's like saying, any man who believes in him will not die, but have eternal life. Come on, are you still here? Now look at this. For God did not send the world into, 
in other words, to judge the world, but the world might be saved through him. For he who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the begotten Son of God. Now, when we, <laughs> when we look at this, we look at the great white throne judgment. No, but the scripture goes on to say, this is the judgment. He explains it here. That the light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and has not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. No, observe that word fear. Now, what happened to Adam when Adam partook of that fruit? He got afraid. He got afraid to approach the light. So when God was coming in the cool of the garden, what happened? Adam went to do what? To hide himself. Because the judgment has come. You see what? God judges you every day. That's why if you're a believer whose conscience is tender and walking before the Lord, immediately you do something right, something on your inside will go off. And you see, one of the first things the enemy does with you when you sin is he puts guilt on you and fear to approach God comes so you're not able to approach God. So immediately we say, let's lift our hands and worship the Lord. And you just lift it and remember. <laughs> so that's why the scripture now says, and then he has a legal right to accuse you because you stepped into his territory. So the scripture now says, if anyone sins, he has an advocate. And if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just. Now, he uses the word faithful to talk about consistency. He uses the word just because it's a legal procedure. Ah. Are you following this now? To forgive you. So, confessing your sins helps you to appropriate the righteousness you have. Come on, are you still here? Ah. Verse 21. But he who practices the truth comes to the light, so that his deed may be manifested as have been wrought in God. Okay. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Thank you, Lord. Wow, 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 wow. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16. Are you learning something this morning? Go over this message again. Listen to it very so much and uh, it will bless you. Just give me a few minutes here. Ephesians 1.16 I do not cease to give thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory I like this, the Father of glory because that's what Adam lost, nakedness. <laughs> he lost the glory of God. May give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Look at verse 18. I pray, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling. What is the hope of his calling? And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? That means God has an inheritance in us. What is that inheritance? The fact that we're created in his image and likeness and we're ambassadors of God. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. Look at this next verse 20. It's very important. 
which he brought about in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now, this is talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Verse 21. Far above all rule, authority, and power, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. This will include COVID-19. Verse 22. And he put all things in subjection under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church. Who is he talking about? You. Which is his body. Are you the body of Christ? Come on, I didn't hear that. Are you the body of Christ? Are you the church? So you are the one who is giving this authority. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Have you ever heard this statement? Give me ten minutes. Have you ever heard this statement? Come on now. I'm doing all of this for my children. Have you heard that statement? Come on, have you heard that statement? Investing for your children? Why are you, why are you gathering all the money you got? It's always say, I don't need this money in my life. It's just so my children can have a good life. You know what that statement means? That statement is what we have just read in Ephesians chapter 1. All those Jesus dying, raising from the dead, all those power, all those display of power, is not for Jesus. It's for his children. It's for us. Come on. That should get you happy. I said, that's for us. You know, you know, we have a greater response. If I say, you know what? If Jesus rode on a horse that no man has ever ridden on, you can ride on a brand new Lexus. Come on. How many of you think that will give us a strong response? Like, yes! Yes, go for it. <laughs> That's the issue. I said, all what Jesus went through. Luke chapter 24, verse 44 to 47. The sufferings of the Christ and the glories that were to follow is not for him. Those are our inheritance in the spirit. That's why we can look at someone with a disease and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And all the powers of redemption comes on and gets that person healed. That's why a blind mind, eyes can be opened, the deaf ears can be unstopped, cancer can stop, diseases and growth in your body can disappear. Why? How come a little boy from the village or a little girl from one city with no education can take on the name of Jesus and cast out demons and heal the sick and, oh, come on now, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Ah, there's a revelation I got yesterday when I was studying. I'm going to teach it. Ah, it's so nice. Jesus said to Peter, Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Whatsoever you bound in heaven will be bound, and whatever you lose will be loosed. And when we take that, we look at prayer of binding and losing. But what's key? Key is knowledge, key is access. What Jesus was telling Peter, he says, Upon the revelation of I being the Christ, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Anybody you grant access to into the kingdom can now come in. Anybody you stop from coming will not be able to come in. How do I know? Because he spoke to the Pharisees. You've taken away the key of knowledge. And you are a stumbling block. You will not allow people to leave. You will not allow people to come in. Your life either grants people access to the kingdom or stops people from entering the kingdom. We are now the ambassadors. Do you realize the scripture actually tells the disciples, whoever sins you forgive will be forgiven. Ah. There's so much, man. Telling you. Where was I? How did I get into that place? What was I reading before? <laughs> Everything chapter 1. Okay, verse... Oh, that is chapter 2. Oh, chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead. <laughs> Thank God he said, where? He said, you are dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Observe the word dead. 
Okay? In which you formerly walked to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Observe that word, sons of disobedience. That's what Adam did in the garden. Disobeyed God. Among them all, two, we all formerly lived in the lust of the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, as the of faith overcome the world. And were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, thank you Lord, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgression, made us alive together with Christ. And He goes on to say what? Come on now. What does He go on to say? By grace you have been saved. So when He talks about... At, at a, at when he talks about our being dead and our being alive, in between there, he brackets the fact that was saved by grace. Why did he bracket that fact? That is how you move from being dead to becoming alive. Saving by grace. Why? Because God is rich in mercy. Come on, are you still here? And I raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He says, we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Imagine appearing before the Lord and say, what killed you? He says, he's a witch from my village. I mean, God will be embarrassed. But you know what? Not in this church. But you know what? Every day we feed people. How witches can kill people. How occultic people are taking people's power. And we feed on these things daily. And people who are meant to be seated with Christ in heavenly places. What happens? Eh? Come on, what happens? Even in reality, they are there in manifestation. They live below these witches and wizards and all these stupid things going on. Oh, pastor, there are so many witches in my compound, so my pastor advised me to leave. Thank God I'm not your pastor. If I was your pastor, guess what I would advise you to do? To build a tent there. Say, be there until you deliver all of them. So if you run, what do we do with them? See, witches are wicked. Yes, you are righteous. You are the light of the world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, bah, pastor, but wisdom is profitable. <laughs> the wisdom is not to run away. Wisdom that is profitable. He said, they that are wise will turn many to righteousness. The wisdom of a Christian is giving the message of salvation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, our time is up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Bless your holy name. We just pray today that the light of your word will shine upon us. That the truth of your kingdom will come strong upon the church. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email. Info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.